Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hey, and welcome back to Creating Pros. And this week, we're going to be talking about a pet project for I know a lot of people out there. And that's going to be how do I go and approach a Kickstarter project, um, especially from a book standpoint. But I think we'll get probably some other things as well. But I have got with me Brianna Leckert. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on and doing this. So do you want to give a little bit of intro on yourself, uh, what you do for Kickstarter, how, how all that kind of stuff works for you? I would love to do that. Um, and I will just, for the sake of things, I'll go ahead and share my little slide presentation. Beautiful. Hello, this is me. I am the Director of Publishing and Comics Outreach at Kickstarter. Uh, my job is very broadly one part literary industry expert, one part crowdfunding consultant, one part uh, life coach, and one part cheerleader. Uh, that's the sort of basic duties. I am very much on the internet at Oriana BKLYN for Brooklyn. Uh, still on Twitter, despite what's all happening there. And you can find me on Instagram if you want to see pictures of bike rides and sunsets. Um, little bit of background about me. Oh, and so this, this presentation is about 20 minutes long, and then we'll do like a whole bunch of questions and answers at the end. Uh, I'm going to kind of go through who I am, what makes Kickstarter unique, um, some basic facts about Kickstarter Reads, which is publishing comics and journalism. That's my purview. Uh, some sort of high-level tips about how to prepare for and run a campaign, and some useful links to find more info. Um, so yeah, it takes 15 to 20 minutes, depending how long-winded I am, which is often very uh, this is some stuff about me. I've done a lot of strange and fascinating things, but that got me uh, to this role. I started my career at Random House back before they ab had absorbed Penguin or even begun to think about also absorbing Simon & Schuster. Um, I've been a news writer for Atlas Obscura, copy editor for MTV News, editor-at-large for Hyperallergic, matchmaker for ghostwriters, fact-checker for book packagers, all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Uh, this here on the right is my book, which I published in 2015. About It kind of grew out of a long-running reporting project on underground art and cultural spaces across New York City. So to start, what makes Kickstarter unique in the crowdfunding space? Um, Kickstarter's mission is to bring creative projects to life. That is our entire reason for being. Um, we believe in that mission so strongly that we reincorporated as a public benefit corporation uh, six or seven years ago. Um, this means that you know every single project on our site has to create something new to share with the world, and we in turn have to think about everything we do in terms not just of you know how we might make money and survive as an organization, but how we're impacting the world at large. Um, Kickstarter is also a very progressive company, very queer, very diverse. Um, and uh, our funding model is all or nothing. We're one of the few platforms where if you set out to raise $10,000 and you only raise $4,000, you don't get any of those dollars. Uh, people get kind of nervous about that, but it was actually designed that way to protect artists and creatives. You know, if you've sort of done your homework and you know that you need 10 grand to bring this book in at this page count, trim size, cover, image, et cetera, into the world, if you only get a partial amount of that money, you're actually in a pretty bad spot because now you've made a lot of promises to all your backers about what you're going to do. Um, and you either have to sort of 
make up the difference, you know, by self-funding, which if that was an option, you maybe would have never been on the platform to begin with, or you're going to make an inferior product or not even complete the project at all, all of which are bad outcomes for you and your supporters. Uh, finally, Kickstarter's fee is 5%. We set the industry standard way back in 2009 and have never raised it. Um, our payment processor, which is Stripe, takes a 3 to 4% variable based on sort of where all the bank accounts are. Um, but if you budget 10% for fees, you'll be more than covered. And that is like significantly less than, oh, say a certain tech giant that has a stranglehold on the entire literary landscape, um, not to mention many other sort of crowdfunding and community building sites. So how are things doing with Kickstarter publishing? Mm -hmm. Really well. Um, in the publishing category, we've seen 66,000 projects launched, over $300 million pledged from 3 million unique backers. Over on the comic side, that's uh, 23,000 projects, just shy of $200 million from over a million unique backers. Oops. Um, some more little facts about Kickstarter Reads. Uh, 2021 was a third best year ever in a row. This year is holding steady. We've seen a huge growth in genre. Uh, I've actually been doing a sort of a romance novel push all of this year. So that's been really paying off. Sci-fi fantasy has always been very strong here. Children's, it's not on this um, slide, but in the comic side, we see a ton of stuff that's sort of for marginalized voices for and by. So a lot of um, people of color writing superheroes, a lot of queer comics, uh, just the kinds of things on both sides that have been sort of gatekept out of the traditional publishing industry. Um, in all of my categories, the success rate has been steadily increasing since 2015. In last year, it was 54%. Uh, we also look at projects that have at least 25 backers. There's a sort of, you know, kind of a, a little bottom section of people who kind of make a campaign and then don't really bother to promote it or tell anybody about it. So if you set aside those folks, you know, 25 backers, that's an indication that you're getting a little bit beyond doing nothing, obviously, and, and even beyond your sort of your mom, your best friend, your, your inner circle, the folks who are kind of obligated to back your campaign. Um, anyway, Current success rate for publishing projects that have reached that 25 backer milestone is 82%. And then in comics, we see creators building their audience sort of campaign by campaign. Uh, that category has the highest relaunch rate on the whole site. So 51% of comics creators who succeed go on to launch another campaign within 12 months. Uh, why would you do this? What are the benefits of you know literary crowdfunding? Um, Kickstarter is really a platform designed for storytelling. So it allows you to really share the story of your creative work more than just, and not just, but the plot of your book, which is of course critical, but also sort of who are you? Why are you doing this? What brought you to this work? What inspires you um, to complete it? Who are you working with? What are your plans, your timeline, your budget? Really like relaxing into sort of all of the things that make your creative work compelling and possible. Our platform really allows writers to connect directly with readers in a way that is not often available um, with all of the intermediaries in the sort of traditional publishing landscape. Uh, and you'll see this in your campaign. Your readers are going to be commenting. You're going to be sending backer updates, speaking directly to them. You'll do all sorts of social, you know, all the ways, but you're really drawing together um, your readers and your, you know, most fervent supporters. Running a campaign can really raise your profile, build awareness. You know, you're spending about 30 days kind of shouting from the rooftops to both the audience that you have and the audience that you want. So a well-run Kickstarter can function uh, like a marketing campaign. Uh, the nature of these campaigns allow you to 
run a campaign as pre-order. So that's, you know, the book is written, edited, typeset, designed. We're just ready to press that button and send it to the printer along with a check. Um, so this allows you to gauge, you know, the audience for the work and uh, help figure out, you know, how many copies to print and that sort of thing. You can also sell through your backlist through the rewards Um with individual titles or bundles. Uh, so that can help you offload, you know, all those boxes of books that you may have sitting in your garage. Uh, Kickstarter is a great place to test out an ambitious, unique, weird, unusual idea because it allows you to, you know, put, sort of put your toe into the market and see what kind of support exists for whatever you're thinking about doing. And the reward structures also allow you to really delight your audience with unique things. I mean, of course, you're going to be offering your books as rewards in various formats, et cetera. But there's all sorts of like more strange and beautiful things that will be really delightful. Uh, you know, in comics, we see draw your mother-in-law as the villain in the comic and publishing. There's a lot of, you know, a custom playlist of songs that you are that inspire you to write, you know, all sorts of things that are kind of like around the edges of your actual creative work and really bring people into your world. Um, so before you launch any kind of campaign, oh, I hate these pink slides. I look very weird. Sorry. Well, I'll do this one quickly. Build your community. Uh, this is about community building, but you need to have a really strong, um, you know, so, sort of solid support of that already. So obviously in the, this day and age, that's going to start with social. So start with the platform where you're the strongest. You know, if you are really active uh, in Facebook groups, but you've heard that book talk is a big thing now, I would not start a TikTok um, profile just to promote your Kickstarter campaign, that's going to come across as inauthentic. And also you're not really going to be that well-versed in the nuances of the platform, uh, but figure out where your people are, you know, creators with common interests, readers who like to read about the things that you're writing. If they are all on Instagram, maybe it is a good idea to, you know, get yourself set up there and start to understand how things are working over there. You want to find ways to share your work when you can, so that people know what they can expect from you. Um, Obviously, as a former journalist, I understand that, you know, there's the buying of cows and getting the milk for free. You want to be judicious and careful with exactly how much of your work you're sharing. But you do need people to know what you write, how you write, what's exciting about it, and, you know, leave them wanting and willing to pay for more. And then finally, as we're certainly seeing with... Um, uh, what's going on with Twitter right now, when you're building an audience on these platforms, you're really building an audience for the platforms and you are at their whim of, you know, the vagaries of their algorithms, their insane managerial decisions, uh, things that could really tank all of the work that you've been doing, or at least make things different than you expected. So it's really critical for any author, artist, writer, creative person in the world right now to be collecting email addresses and finding ways to keep in touch with your audience without the platform intermediaries. Um, so, you know, put an email capture on your website, uh, do a link tree, get whatever you can so that you can start making, making sure that you have direct access to your people unmoderated by whatever algorithmic uh, mishigas might come your way. So just a real quick overview on designing your campaign page. Um, first thing you're going to do is conceive your project. That may sound obvious, but you want to make sure that you know what the parameters are and that you can explain them pretty succinctly. So are we making one book? Are we making a box set, a deluxe anniversary edition, a literary art exhibit, literary inspired chocolate bars? These are all things that I've worked on that have existed on Kickstarter. Figure out exactly what it is that you're making, where that begins and ends, and how to talk about it. Um, 
figure out how much money you need. Uh, we encourage thinking about your funding goal as the floor, not the ceiling. So you need to raise at least $10,000 to make this book the way that you want it. But of course, you're welcome to try to raise more. We have mechanisms like stretch goals. Uh, there's all sorts of reasons. I mean, people worry that once they've hit their goal, folks will stop backing. But if they still want the thing that you're working on, there's absolutely no reason to think that that would happen. And further, you know, everybody wants to be on a winning team. So a, an, a funded project, uh, people sort of have a lot more confidence that the thing's really going to get made. So it can make it even easier for people to jump on board. Uh, most campaigns start with video. <clears throat> you don't have to make one. Uh, we do see, um, we see campaigns with videos tend to do better, but that's a little bit of tautology because a campaign with a video is also likely to be better and more professionally run. So there's not really any way to know whether it's like because of the video that it's doing better. Um, the way that I think about this is that it gives you different means to connect with different kinds of backers. Uh, my I use my partner and I as an example for this. I don't like to watch videos. I don't want my phone or my computer making noise at me. Um, I only want to read words in order at the pace I want to read them. He is not interested in reading. He wants everything to be delivered into straight into his eyes. So if you have both a video and uh, a campaign copy, you can sort of appeal to both of these kinds of consumers. Um, so uh, also pro tip about the video, if you're going to make one, this does not have to be some big budget Hollywood style, um, huge production, a very uh, short, simple video taken from your phone or computer is fine. Uh, these should be one to two minutes long max. It's really just like a teaser to draw people into the world of your work. And um, if you're doing this, if you're generating video assets, make them useful to you beyond the campaign. You know, also pull out and package GIFs and clips and other things that can live on your website or, you know, in various places that will be useful to you later. Then you're going to design your project page. Um, this is, you know, as I said, where you're going to relax and tell the whole story of what you're doing, why, how, when, with whom, uh, all the things in all the ways. Um, keep organization in mind. Uh, you know, not, not everyone will read every single word on your page. So make sure the most important stuff's up at the top. Um, break up the text with photos, with bulleted lists, with headers, you know. Kickstarter's on the internet, the internet is a visual medium, so even if your work is all prose, you do want to find ways to keep the page visually dynamic so that people will continue reading. And then, of course, imagine creative rewards. Uh, the rewards, as I've said, are, to my mind, sort of central to the Kickstarter proposition. You know, there's also a bit of a, a pushback where people say, oh, I couldn't run a Kickstarter, that's like asking for charity, but it absolutely isn't. You are instead inviting people to support your creative work and giving them things in return, you know, whether that's um, physical or digital or experiential, there's all kinds of rewards uh, that you can share with people that will make them feel really connected to your work. Do, do. Okay, so now your campaign is live. How do you make sure that everybody knows about it? You're going to start with that inner circle, move your way outward. So individual emails always have the highest success rate, um, uh, conversion rate, sorry, of any sort of promotional interaction. So think long before you launch about who you're emailing, what you're saying, how often you're doing it. Um, every single person who has ever ex expressed even the merest passing interest in your creative work, let them hear from you. Uh, emails are something that is most likely to be seen. <clears throat> so you really want to make sure that you use that sparingly, but also powerfully. 
uh, the difference between email and social, obviously, social stuff. You're just hoping. You're just hoping it's going to reach, you know, somebody's awareness uh, that it's going to make it through their feed at the right time. I think of social, if you work on a political campaign, you'll hear about seven touches where somebody has to see the name of your candidate seven times on a billboard, a circular, an email, a tweet, you know, before they really like get into their heads and are likely to vote for them. You sort of want to think about your social strategy in a similar way. Um and don't worry about, you know, sort of posting too much. I promise the day after your campaign, you're going to hear from a bunch of people who say, oh, I had no idea that was live. I would have loved to support you. So give people as many opportunities to do so as you can. These are strategies to reach the audience that you've already built. In order to get outside of that audience, you're going to look at signal boosters, amplifiers, and press. So this is anybody with an audience, not even necessarily bigger, but adjacent to yours. So figure out people that you might ask. You could cross-promote if they've also got campaigns or other sorts of things that you could share. People who can spread your message in sort of wider and wider different avenues. Um, if you're going to do press, you will want to have written a press release, made a press list. You want to know kind of like who's ready writing about the kinds of things that you are doing. Um, X author runs Y Kickstarter campaign is not itself really news, but there's almost certainly um, hooks and newsworthy elements of your campaign. So think about how to pull those out uh, and make them really compelling so that somebody might want to cover them. And press obviously isn't just written. You can go on podcasts, you can go on people's YouTube channels, all sorts of um, avenues like that. Finally, a little word on paid marketing. Um, in the sort of broader crowdfunding universe, most of the marketing that you will see is designed to get to people who are interested in gadgets and board games and uh, sort of smart watches and things like this. Uh, a lot of people will promise you to get your campaign in front of, you know, 10,000 proven Kickstarter backers. And they're probably not lying. It's just that those are not people who are necessarily interested in books. So what we hear is that um, a sort of haphazard amateur campaign of uh, we'll pay 50 bucks to boost this or that post does not tend to work. You want to be very careful with, you know, who you give money to and what sorts of promises they've made for you. Um, hiring a publicist can be a really excellent move. Those are folks, obviously, whose job it is to know all about the vagaries of all of these different avenues. But of course, that costs money as well. So you have to figure out if that makes sense for your particular project at this particular time that oh yeah uh so here's some helpful links that everybody uh for let's see for folks who are listening to this audio only our publishing category is at kickstarter.com slash publishing our comics category is kickstarter.com slash comics dash illustration i've got a creator tips page that's at kickstarter.com slash creators slash publishing which has recordings of tons of talks like this articles about everything from how to write a good press release to how to envision custom rewards um I update that pretty regularly. There is a Kickstarter experts page, kickstarter.com slash experts, which has printers and producers and, you know, all sorts of various people. Um, our creator handbook, kickstarter.com slash help slash handbook, which will sort of take you through every step of your uh campaign journey. And then we also have a dedicated publishing specific Twitter account at twitter.com slash Kickstarter read R-E-A-D because we ran out of characters for the S. Uh, if you are thinking about running a campaign anytime soon, the best advice I could give you, follow us on Twitter, see the kinds of projects and press we're sharing, and also pick a couple of campaigns right now 
back them, even for a few bucks, find and follow those creators out in the world. Everybody's doing really, really smart stuff with these campaigns. You might as well grab hold and copy all of their best ideas. That's my presentation. Here is, again, me, Oriana Lecker, Director of Publishing Comics Outreach at Oriana B-K-L-Y-N on Twitter and Insta. My DMs are always open. My inbox is always full, but please reach out if you want, and I will do my best to get back to you as quickly as I can. Whew. And take a breath. <laughs> so... I couple of questions um and i know we were, we were chatting a little bit uh you know beforehand and all that kind of good stuff but from a from the perspective of creators you know authors publishers this sort of thing how much of a change is kickstarter created in the indian small publishing universe and are you starting to see some of the larger publishers sneak over into that Oh, yeah. It's not sneaking. We're seeing a lot of big publishers on the platform. I mean, in comics, this has long been true. Uh, we've got Boom, who ran the highest funded uh, Kickstarter comics project ever with Keanu Reeves. We've got Clover and Dynamite and Skybound. We had Avery Hill on the platform for the first time, Albatross Funny Books, Cartoon Books. Uh, on the publishing side, we've got stalwarts like PM Press and Microcosm, each of whom do pretty much a campaign every month. Uh, I'm just pulling up. I actually have a list of this. Um, let's see. Rough Trade Books was on the platform for the first time this year. We had Small Beer a while ago. We've had some university presses, Arizona State University, University of Chicago, uh, Click Click, Blue Coat, um, mm, Copper Canyon. They're just wrapping up a beautiful poetry anthology, Mouse Books. So yeah, publishers are here a lot. Uh Obviously, I'm biased, but to me, it seems like a really smart proposition for a publisher because it sort of turns the traditional PL process into reverse. You know, why kind of make a bunch of guesses and hope that you're going to bring in enough money to like not tank your company when you could just get the money up front and understand how big of an audience you're printing for? Uh, it makes things a lot smoother and more comfortable, uh, in my opinion. And, you know, the first part of your question has. Kickstarter shifted the publishing landscape. You know, I would say that's been happening for a long time. And then, of course, this year we had the record shattering Brandon Sanderson campaign, which has shifted things so much. It was even mentioned in the trial, the DOJ trial against the um, PRH SNS merger. Uh, so it has really reached sort of like all kind of echelons of the publishing world that Kickstarter can be and is a place for authors, writers, artists of all types. Well, and I can tell you for, I worked with a lot of people over a lot of years. And one of the questions that often comes up is, you know, especially if you're an indie writer, you're just starting out, there's that, okay, well, maybe I can go to Kickstarter and it's going to just pay for stuff magically. And I think that especially as Kickstarter has grown, as we've seen crowdfunding mature a lot, that landscape has changed a lot. I mean, one of the things that I've, I've typically talked to people about is, you know, use it to fund the project, use it to pre-sell the book, but understand there's a marketing effort that goes along with this before you're trying to market the book. I mean, this is, you almost need to treat it like pre-sales of the book before you go out the door. I would so, say not almost. I would say definitely. You know, I mean, yeah. Kickstarter is not, alas, a place, magical place filled with magical internet money waiting to rain down upon you. You certainly do have to do a lot of work uh, to make a campaign really, really successful. So with that idea in mind, what are some of the kinds of things you typically see people do? So let's say I've never run a campaign before. 
and I'm looking to kick off my first real campaign. You know, are, are there some hints and tips that you might be able to give someone? Well, so the first biggest thing, which is not, it's not what you think you're asking, but is the real answer is that you have to make sure that your ambition matches your reach. You know, a lot of, I get a lot of questions about the organization of the campaign story and the number of rewards and the dollar amount of stretch goals. But truthfully, the most important thing is knowing how, who's in your audience, how you can reach them and what they actually want. Um, this is a very corny line, but I use it all the time. Everybody thinks about the funding side of crowdfunding. Not everybody thinks about the crowd. That is specifically what you're doing with this kind of fundraising is assembling your crowd, giving them really compelling reasons to support you at sort of all levels. So that is the biggest thing. You know, if you are an emerging writer and this is your first book, running a $50,000 campaign for a deluxe leather-bound edition, probably not the move. <laughs> you really need to do a lot of research, a lot of homework, and really very clearly understand who you're talking to, how many of them are likely to come out in support of your work and what they want for doing so. Um, so that's kind of the biggest conceptual thing. Um, you know, regular tips. I mean, kind of all the stuff that I talked about. Make sure if you're going to do a video that it's interesting and compelling. Make sure you've got good imagery that's going to keep people kind of rooted in the page. Know how to tell your story in a compelling way that keeps folks reading it. And make sure that you've got rewards that are interesting. You know, everybody, there's a lot of, well, if I run a Kickstarter, I got to make t-shirts and tote bags. Please don't do that. Nobody wants that. Also, it's going to ruin your life with production and fulfillment. You know, really think about ways that things your audience actually wants and that are really easy for you to produce. Um, yeah. So those are the sort of like overarching tips. And so when you start looking at campaigns, I mean, I know generally what we advise people to do is um, start small. You know, it it's not only about time to your audience, but start small so that try to hit something achievable, something that will hit your goals, but something that's achievable and build a track record of successful projects. You know, especially if you you know you've got something down the the pike that might be a bit more aggressive or a bit more you know a bigger project, you want to kind of do some small experimental stuff to a prove a track record and b understand what does fulfillment look like, what does you know what are all the pains for that, what does it look like to to keep up the level of communication, um, because this is one of the things I see happen a lot of the time with projects is yeah we're funding this thing that's going to come out you know in a year okay, great. I still want to hear from you periodically. I still yeah. want to know what's going on. Have I forgotten about it? Especially if you're trying to get into a cycle of creating an ecosystem of people that want to support you um, and the support and stuff that you're doing. Um, yeah, this is all excellent advice. You're doing a great job. Thank you for doing my job for me. Oh, well, well, great. <laughs> I didn't screw something up for once. <laughs> and I think it was really important to kind of talk about that idea of why you guys went all or nothing. You know, because again, one of the things that I've dealt with clients, not only in publishing, but is that idea of, okay, we raised funding, we got partway there, and now I'm sitting on this cusp of what do I do? Because yeah. now you're you're into that, how much am I on the hook for? What can I do and deliver? Do I start cutting corners? Do I, you know, what do I start doing and, and things along those lines? So are you, are there average amounts you see somebody start with for a project? And I know really it's kind of all, 
Yeah, there really aren't averages because there's so many different kinds of people running campaigns. I mean, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do, start with some back of napkin math. You know, you're raising $5,000. Your book costs 25 bucks. How many backers, if they only, if everybody only backed for the book, how many backers do you need to hit that goal? Is that an achievable number based on your followers, your fans, your newsletter, your, you know, all of these different things? Uh, I don't, I don't think it's, tremendously helpful to say, you know, of the whatever that was, 50,000 people who have run campaigns in the past decade, what's a general average? I mean, instead, as I said, <clears throat> go to the site and find five projects that seem sort of like what you're trying to do, see what their goals are. You know, that's going to be much more sensible than comparing yourself to Keanu Reeves or uh, a college student making a poetry zine. Are, are you saying that I shouldn't run out and set up my campaign just like Brandon Sanderson? Probably not. I mean, it was a great template. I sure hope somebody follows and eclipses it, but we can't all be Brandon. In fact, probably none of us can. <laughs> <laughs> he he only had a small team behind backing all of that up. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, people, yeah, I I I think that the Cosmere team, they, they did really incredible work. But yeah, people certainly forget. In fact, one of the reasons I he ran the campaign like that, rather than doing one book, you know, he's done subscription boxes before, he's done Kickstarter campaigns before. Um, and when you get, you ramp up to the big, you know, sort of production of fulfillment, you got to hire even more staff. And he wanted to keep those people employed for an entire year, give them benefits, give them insurance, all of that. Uh, so that's why he wanted the fulfillment to last all of 2023. And the one thing I will say about that campaign is that that I know I saw the fact that, uh, and I think it may have been Jordan Con. There was even some talk about the fact of after it funded so much and so well, he actually then went and funded a lot of the other book projects that were out there because there was a little bit of fear that he had sucked so much of the money out of it from the publishing side of things. He wanted to make sure he was back out there and supporting it, which. Um, and having met Brandon a couple of times, um, did not surprise me at all because I mean, uh, yeah, so I thought that was lovely and altruistic thing to do, but I do want to say, you know, uh, that, that idea that, you know, if there's a big person on the platform that sucks the money out from other people is actually really not true. I mean, we've seen this in a lot of these different huge campaigns because in fact, what happens is that Brandon and Keanu, they bring tens of thousands of new backers to the site who have never been here before. And many, many, a high percentage of those, I, I just ran the numbers on the Keanu project. I think it was 40% of those new backers backed another project uh, within the next year. So in fact, it's not taking money out. It's injecting a lot more money in. I know that uh, several people who had fantasy or even fantasy adjacent campaigns live during the Brandon Sanderson, Will White, Russell Nolte, um, those are the two that come to mind. But anyway, they saw like a big bump that was a sort of follow-on effect because if you like Brandon, you'll probably also like their work. So yeah, it's actually, you know, kind of fundamental to the Kickstarter philosophy is a rising tide lifts all boats. And so seeing these big campaigns, uh, it really bears that out. So, and that actually brings up something I've been talking about a fair amount recently, I, because I've long been a philosophy, had that philosophy of if we're injecting positive stuff into the environment, it's going to lift everybody. But, and I, I made a bad joke at a convention not too long ago. I said, a rising tide lifts all shifts, but you've got to make sure you're on the boat ready to go out to sea. Yeah, I know that's absolutely correct. And we were having a long conversation about that, about what the implications are and being ready 
for being too successful. Um, <laughs> because knowing a couple of people that have had really successful projects where all of a sudden fulfillment was a lot bigger deal than what they originally expected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but it can be a real problem. Absolutely. Planning for all eventualities, including runaway success, is a really wise move. Um, so are there, especially on the publishing side of the house, um, are there things that you like to see in terms of the stretch goals, incentives? I mean, I from a from a project standpoint, I've gotten everything from a hand crocheted tree, which is somewhere in the bookcase back here behind me. Uh, I've gotten, you know, jewelry pieces. I have been killed off in more books than I want to admit to, but usually that's just friends uh, that decide I need to die. And, or sometimes they're not so nice as to kill me and put me out of my misery. But are there kinds of things that you see a lot of the time in the publishing side of things that you like to see? They make good stretch goals and they're the kinds of things that the community really enjoys. Yeah, one avenue that I think is underexplored is enhancements to the book itself. So, you know, and this involves a lot of, again, like pre-budgeting and that sort of thing, but, you know, um, adding an additional signature or a full color insert, ribbon bookmarks, French flaps, you know, spot gloss on the cover, the kinds of fancy things that are going to make the book even more, you know, beautiful to behold when it exists. And those are also the kinds of things where, like, that can be a compelling way to enlist your backers, uh, your your current backers to help raise things up because if they say, wow, I already really liked this book, but I'm going to like it even more with all these images or all this other stuff in it, I'm going to go ahead and tell five friends that they should back it out of selfishness because I want the thing. And that can work with, you know, crocheted uh, hats and, uh, you know, prints and all sorts of like physical items that go out to all the backers. Uh, but keep in, you know, that's another good mechanism for stretch goals is making them something so compelling that the folks who are already on board go out again and try to try to bring more people in but just anything that you're going to do like that please 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 make sure that you've fully budgeted it out that you have understood what is involved in all of the production manufacturing shipping uh all the costs that are going to be associated do not let a stretch goal wind up tanking your budget um and you know putting getting you in trouble and i have had to work with a couple of people who didn't properly estimate the dollars and everything that, that goes with the goals. Because again, a lot of the time there is a definitive cost assigned to that and making sure that that stretch goal actually pays for itself. Because again, the entire intention here is to raise money, raise funds for the books and for the company and, and the project. Yeah. So one of the questions that I've got, because we talk a lot about build your list because capturing emails and being able to stay in touch with people is critical, not just for a project, but, you know, in the long term, you want to build community, you want to build a long term following. And one of the things that I've definitely seen is with Kickstarter, with crowdfunding, and just overall with running a creative business, having a list, being able to get in touch with people on your real estate. In other words, you know, not just I'm I'm living and dying by Facebook or TikTok or whatever the case may be is really critical. It's make or break from a, from a Kickstarter standpoint. There's two things to me. Number one is it gives me the ability to reach out to my hardcore fans, the people I know are going to promote my stuff and say, hey, here's the project. Let everybody know. And number two, it becomes an opportunity to continue to do your list building from the Kickstarter side of things. 
But for Kickstarter, how do you guys yeah. handle, you know, some of the GDRP compliance or some of the other compliance issues with reaching out and sending out contact information to people? You know, is there yeah, anything totally. there that the that if I'm running a campaign, I need to be conscious of? Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, yeah, thank you for highlighting that. I mean, Kickstarter is one of the few platforms that gives you full access to your supporters. Uh, once your camp, once your campaign successfully funds, you'll immediately get a spreadsheet with first name, last name, email address, and reward tier. Um, beyond that, if you want to get people's mailing address, t-shirt size, what color cover variant, whatever they want, you'll be sending out a survey. <clears throat> and so, at that stage, the the best move to be like as fully compliant as possible with GDPR and other regulations is to include a question in the survey that says, you know, click here if you don't want to be added to my mailing list, something like that. So you're giving people the option and the agency to opt out. But I think most people assume at this point that, you know, backing a Kickstarter probably means you will continue to hear from this creator. And of course, you can also keep putting backer updates, and you should, onto campaigns long after they're uh, funded. So that's another way that you can directly access the people who have already come forth to support you. Yeah. And I think that's a good call out too, is that it's not just about once it's done, because once you've got that list of people, if you are running another project, that's your kind of starting go-to list. Cause if you delivered right. for that batch of people the first time and they enjoyed it, they're likely a fair amount of them are likely to come support the next go round. Yeah, and you, can, um, you can do, you know, depending on what you're doing. Again, we see this a lot in comics with people who are running small serial campaigns, but they'll have, you know, the campaign draft ready uh, as they're fulfilling the, the draft for the next campaign ready as they're fulfilling the previous one. So maybe they'll be sending out a QR code in those boxes or, you know, they'll wait to time it. So when people are just getting their rewards and they're excited <clears throat> and they're sharing them and talking about them, now is a great time to launch your next campaign when people are already thinking about you and, and how lovely your work already is. So there's one of the fun things that we always see up there, which is what Kickstarter does to help promote projects. And I'm assuming a lot of that ties to the algorithms of projects that are doing well get boosted. Uh, you know, there's the projects we love. So how does that work? So if I'm running a project, obviously, if I can hit that that tier and be on that projects we love, that gives credibility both from Kickstarter and as well as just it puts me in front of a lot more eyes. So how does that really work? Yeah, for sure. So the projects we love, all of our social promo, our newsletters, all this sort of stuff uh, is all handled by our editorial team. They are out there on the site every day looking for what, you know, projects they consider to exemplify kind of the best of Kickstarter. There are not hard, fast rules about it. Have great imagery. Don't be too salesy. Don't have a lot of exaggeration. Make sure things look polished and professional and exciting. Um, but I will say, and, and you know, you're right. Uh, projects we love does sort of like elevate um, campaigns and search results. It can sort of slot things into some of the macros around the site, but also people get very, very, very focused on that designation. And it is not actually that powerful. As you exactly anticipated, most of our stuff, it's a website. It works algorithmically. And those sortings happen based on backers, based on, you know, traction and success and things like that. Also keep in mind, at least half, probably three quarters of your audience are coming not just by nature of being on the platform passively, but actively because somebody's clicking on a link in a story, a tweet, uh, something, an email, all of this. And like the folks who are not like up to their necks in like the Kickstarter ecosystem, 
They don't know whether your campaign is tagged a project we love. They will never know. And even if they saw it, they wouldn't understand what it means. So really far more important is making sure you're creating something that resonates with your supporters. That's like the top thing and the thing that is going to be the likeliest to sort of guarantee your success. So what you're saying is put out a good product. It is exactly what I'm saying. Make something people want. They're going to back it. Is there anything you've got advice wise? Because again, one of the things I like about Kickstarter is it is a community of people that are looking for projects to fund. They are looking for things that that satisfy their interests, satisfy their needs. And it is a great marketing engine. It is a great opportunity to raise capital. And it's a great way for people to be discovered. But is there anything that you guys see from building your, your Kickstarter community things that you would recommend, things that you see that you advise people to do or not do that really help with building that community? Um, golly, that's a big question. Uh, you know, I think really, I don't, I don't have any silver bullets. I think building community is, you know, sort of painstaking work. It involves a lot of openness and awareness and, uh, generosity and compassion, you know, doing more than just asking people to send you money so that you can keep your creative pursuit going. Um, you know, and then I think we talked about some of this, like don't offer really generic rewards. I promise no Nobody needs another tote bag. Make sure that your campaign is compelling for you, for your existing audience, for shareability so that you can like broaden your reach and get to a bigger audience. Yeah, you know, I, and like I said, back other campaigns, promote other people's campaigns, be a generous um, member of the community, both giving and receiving. Um, that's kind of how to be an authentic and kind person in the world. Well, and uh, kind of looking at last ideas, you know, when we're we're working on putting together a campaign, are there any things that people need to be aware of they can't do on the platform? Are there restrictions, things that'll get you into trouble, things that can tank a project or something where you'll look and go, yeah, this is not something we can fund, you know, especially sure, from yeah. the I mean project side of things. Yeah, we've got terms and terms of service, which are easily accessible on the site. And I think you might even get them automatically when you submit a project for review. Uh, you know, no hate speech, no guns. Uh, it's not a strict rule, but we would advise against putting guns in your project image unless it is a book about guns, which we have seen, um, just because that's a lot harder for uh, promotion. And, you know, there's a lot of sites that don't want to um, serve that up to people. We are pretty sex positive, um, especially even when it comes to art, you can do, you know, kind of, you can show anything up to like actually explicit sex acts. Um, and even those can be sort of like gently censored. Um, but it is a family friendly site. So, and, you know, if you want something that your project image is going to be the the main image in any social posts that you do. So we would advise against doing something so risque that other people aren't going to want to share it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we're pretty open, you know, about whatever it is that you want to fund so long as it's not causing pain or trouble or suggesting violence against any other groups. And looking at kind of just building that, that general project and looking forward to success. Are you seeing people building more and more of these kind of continuous campaigns? I mean, because I'm assuming if you've been successful once, but if you've, let's say that you tried a Kickstarter, it didn't fund, 
or for some reason it wasn't successful. Do you have any ideas for people out there that can help recover and learn from that to then go off and kick off that that successful campaign? Yeah, totally. So one technical point that I'd like to make is about repeat campaigns. Um, per our rules, you have to fulfill your first campaign before you can launch your second. Um, we definitely do get a lot of people who run their first campaign and go, that was the best. Can I do another one tomorrow? Um, and that's a sure way to like really piss off your backers uh, since you've told them you're going to be making this wonderful thing for them. If they now see you doing something totally else, they're going to feel really shafted. Um, as far as an unsuccessful campaign, you know, one of our very smart sort of like old OG creators has said a failed Kickstarter is a dodged bullet. Uh, that means that there was something about your project that wasn't resonant. Maybe you haven't done enough work to build your audience and so there weren't enough people around to fund it. Maybe the way you're explaining it isn't really doing a good service to the work that you've got. Maybe your promotional plan needs work. Maybe you know, There's a million ways in which you can sort of tweak what you've done uh, to change. Maybe your price points are too high. Maybe you're you know, coming way back to what I said earlier. Maybe your ambition just didn't quite match your reach. And by the nature of running that project, you will have learned so much about yourself, about your storytelling, about your audience building, about your promotional abilities, you know, all of these things. So that absolutely you can take that all into account and figure out how to tweak it and do it differently the next time. You know, maybe you just want to fund a smaller portion of the bigger project. Maybe you want to give yourself six months to a year to like get deeper and deeper into that community. Maybe you need to hire an editor, a videographer, you know, like other participants who can kind of like elevate the work that you're doing in a way that's going to be like really exciting to the people who find it. You know, there are a lot of variables involved in any of this work. Maybe you ran your campaign over Thanksgiving and everybody was, you know, sitting at home with their parents eating pie and couldn't see it. Lots and lots of things can go many different ways. And yeah, you should absolutely take it as a learning experience. You know, if a campaign doesn't fund... <clears throat> You don't owe anybody any money. You don't have to like make books or ship rewards. Like nothing, you haven't lost anything except your time. And hopefully it will have been such a valuable learning experience that you can put all that into place the next time and do better and better than ever. Well, and I think this kind of goes to the last kind of question I had, which is there are a lot of other people that provide services around the business. And I mean, this is one of the things that I always preach is, you have to look at all of this, not only from the creative aspect and what you're bringing to the world, there's still the business aspect of it. You got to take that that part of it and recognize that, no, there really is the business piece to it. Yeah. There are a lot of people that do provide services. And a lot of the time, what you're raising money for is to hire those people, whether it's artists, editors, publicists, things like that. Um, but one of the questions that came up was, are there ways of me using the campaign to find other people. I mean, like frequently we'll go out and say, hey, look, you know, we're running a project and if we fund to this level, we'll have four or six or eight open slots in the anthology beyond the name people. Um, or if we can get to this level, we'll hire another artist to do some promo material or things along those lines. Are there ways of really using Kickstarter to help find and connect with those other creators? I think that exactly as you've just described, that is most of the ways that we see, you know, also being, as as I said earlier, you know, like a giving and generous member of the community in a Facebook group, in a Twitter space, in, you know, I, I've seen 
uh, comics artists will do like live drawing events where they'll bring together three people who have live campaigns and kind of sharing one another's audience. Um, anthology campaigns are always really successful at this. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're running your campaign, like you're marketing yourself and your work. So you can absolutely include in a lot of your emails and tweets and posts and podcast interviews. This is what we're doing. Here's what else we can do. Here's who we're looking for to partner with our work. You can do backer swaps and backer update swaps so that you're, you know, talking to other people who are already doing this and having them help you spread the word. Yeah. I mean, all of this is time spent talking to your community and letting them know what you need and how you might be able to work with them better and more in the future. Is there anything I haven't, we haven't touched on or something you think everybody needs to know? This has been really thorough. Um, I mean, I, I I hope that I've been able to answer all of your very good questions. And I, I really appreciate the folks in your community for having sent some of these through in advance. I mean, if you think of anything else, I am... I'm on the internet. My DMs are open. You can certainly reach out and ask me or ask other people. You know, I see this on, I spend most of my social media time on Twitter uh, and I see a lot of people exchanging ideas and asking questions. I know there's also a huge, for authors, Facebook groups are massive. Um, there are groups specifically for authors running Kickstarter campaigns and, you know, all sorts of things like that. I've only dipped a small toe into that world because it can be really all consuming, but, you know, there are lots of people who have done this before who can brainstorm with you, who can answer your questions. So, you know, take advantage of as many resources as you're able to find. Uh, and that's always going to make your work even stronger. Well, I really appreciate you coming on to share all this stuff. Um, I appreciate you bringing all the, all the info and all the support you give to the community. Because again, I like the idea of, of, of Kickstarter being a public benefit corporation. And the fact that it really is driven to support the community and everything else it does. So I definitely appreciate you coming on and hopefully we'll have a round two at some point. So yeah, Jim, thank you so much for having me. This is really a pleasure. Um, yeah. What you do as well. And it's yeah, just a delight to be here chatting with you. Well, I do appreciate it and we will see everybody again soon.